0: You're listening to Packers Talk Radio Network.
1: PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend, Gil Martin. He's a writer for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers, because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Gil, I'm pumped for this um, Vikings game this week, because I'm going to be watching it in person at Lambeau. I think at kickoff, it's supposed to be minus six <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. I know my wife is not looking forward to that either. She does not handle the cold particularly well. Oh, boy. We were uh brainstorming exactly what we're going to wear. And she's got like the electric vest, the electric heated vest. Nice. Uh, we're bringing our blanket. We got these uh, uh stadium cushions with a little back support that we're going to be sitting on. But it's going to be a cold one. And. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a really good game.
0: It should be a great game. Now, is this your first pilgrimage to Lambeau field?
1: To Lambeau. Yeah. I live in Michigan. I do go, go down to Detroit and watch the Packers play there when I can, but, uh, have not made it to Lambeau yet until this Sunday. So very
0: special game for you and, and for your wife. And, uh, Hope you enjoy it. Now, are you planning to tailgate? Are, are you going to be, you know, how are you planning to go about this? It's a night game. It's a little different. What? What's the, what's the plan?
1: Okay, yeah. I, I want to hear your recommendations uh, because we are going to arrive in Green Bay on Saturday. We're going to mm-hmm. hang out there for Saturday afternoon and evening, check out the town, uh, go see uh, the Hall of Fame and the right. museum and all that. Um, on game day, uh, we're still trying to put our itinerary together. So shoot me your best recommendations, Gil. <sighs> the best recommendations.
0: I mean, what plenty of good restaurants to choose from. That's not an issue. Um uh, I've had Krolls recommended to me by a few people. Yep. Now. Yep. I, I could totally see that. Now I haven't been in green Bay since 2017. I'm based in New York. Uh, the last two years have been a complete wipeout because of COVID for me, especially. So, uh, you know, but my last pilgrimage to title town was uh, December of 2017 when the uh, Packers beat the Buccaneers in overtime. No, no Aaron Rodgers for that game. I saw Brett Hunley, but uh, yeah, that was uh, my last time out there. Hall of Fame was wonderful. Went on Saturday after dinner to the Hall of Fame, so that was okay. uh, that was fun. It was a it was a twelve noon Central Time start, so we just you know walked from the hotel and just people so nice, you know, with the tailgating and food is everywhere, beer brats. Oh, I love food. Oh, oh yeah, I no. love beer. I love brats. Uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with everything uh, going on around and and you know I was wearing uh, a pretty old and obscure Packers jersey. And it was always cool to see the few people who recognized the player. <laughs> it was actually a game used jersey that I had in my collection that I had to wear. Oh, and very so, nice. You know, people were like, oh my God, you know. So few people recognized uh, the Paul Ott Carruth circa 1987 okay. jersey that I was wearing. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, just great time. The people were great, but it, it was about 42 degrees at kickoff. And by the third or fourth quarter, even though I had layers and layers of clothing on, it was cold. So, you know, this is a night game. It's going to be around, you know, single digits without the wind chill. You you got to really be prepared for that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be a bit of a challenge for you, I think.
1: This will now I'm, I'm I have a jersey uh, from an obscure wide receiver uh, named Randall Cobb.
0: Uh, <laughs> I've heard of however
1: him. <laughs> I I'm I have been banned by our listeners from wearing that jersey anymore. I can't wear it because every time I wear it, the Packers get blown out. I was looking at the uh, list of games I've worn that jersey for, and it's like all of their worst games over the last few years uh buccaneers regular season and postseason. oh boy you know it's it's is bad so i i'm I'm forbidden from wearing that jersey anymore apparently i I don't know i, I kind of wanna wear one anyway, so i maybe I'll drag it out, but well, but, you could uh, also old as a jinx well, you could also buy a new one i mean
0: you you will be there's a million what? places to buy jerseys what do you, do you think <laughs> I get
1: paid for this podcast <laughs> same as I do, but uh you know. OK, so so uh, uh, we're going to have a blast for sure. I'm, I'm absolutely so excited. It's I'm jealous. I'm about.
0: I'm happy for you. I mean, I, this is great.
1: It's all I can think about, um, but I, I need you to help me focus for one uh, half hour segment here as we put together our game preview for the Vikings. Um, really, it's it's the Vikings versus what few Packers remain at this <laughs> point. About Right. <laughs> So let's let's uh, start off our our preview real quick by just talking about who is not going to be there and and therefore who has to step up. And the two biggest things that I think really are an issue uh, offensive tackle depth, I think, is, um, you know, code midnight panic mode at this point, because there isn't Ben Braden. Ben Braden is on the COVID list. He was the last backup tackle we had. So at this point, if something happens to Yash or Kelly, as best I can tell, the backup tackle is Royce Newman. As best I can tell, that's the next man up. Now you got a couple guys on the practice squad. I know Cole Van Lannen has been uh, elevated for the game. Uh, or or will be elevated for the game, or did he get activated to the pra- to the to the full run roster?
0: I think he's still on the practice
1: squad. Although, you... no, you know what? According to their website, he's, he's not. So he's th- been activated. So he's... Okay. So, uh, you got uh, center Michael Mene. Uh, they just signed to the practice squad. Right. Uh, and so I, you know, you wouldn't normally like to have a guy who has only been around for such a short period of time well you could um, move out runyon there. runyon
0: played tackle at michigan so you could in a pinch move him outside
1: that's true now the packers did sign another tackle adrian ely uh they also have uh john deetson on the practice squad right. and he played guard and tackle at um wisconsin so ely is uh he's an oklahoma guy mm-hmm. he was a 2021 undrafted free agent uh, from the Ravens. Uh, I would. At this point, I don't think that I can say about any of the players on the practice squad, even Ely, who was just signed today. I don't think I could say about any of them. Oh, I'd be shocked if they played. You know why? Because we don't have any players at (laughs) at this point. We're at the point where you do have to go pull somebody off off of the street and bring them into play because there isn't anybody left. Well, on the bright
0: uh, side, every other team in the league is more or less in the same boat.
1: Yeah, the Vikings a little bit less so I think. For now. Um, so th- the other interesting one is Corey Borquez is on the COVID list. Yeah, now, he sure. tested positive on Tuesday. And so if he gets, a, I think if he gets a negative test, he would be able to come back and play. Uh, the guy that the Packers have had a long standing relationship with over the last couple of years, Ryan Winslow, he's been their like yep. emergency reserve punter. He is not available anymore. Uh, for what team did he go to? Some team in the South. Was it the saints? Panthers? I think he's a Panther, uh, Cardinals. That's what it is. Yeah, they're in the South Southwest. <laughs> so he's, uh, I think he's actually their starting punter at this point. Okay. Um,
0: so he's unavailable.
1: Very unavailable. Uh, which brings up the question, what about J.K. Scott? Could you call him up and have him come in as an emergency punter? Corey Bohorcus can't go because he is a free agent right now. So I just think that might be the play right there. Mm -hmm. The only thing you the only thing that might make you nervous is just if as the GM, you think there's any hard feelings there with JK and I I never got any sense from listening to him talk that he had any kind of character issues that you would, you know. But 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 they did let, you know, they they fired him, you know? They 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 cut him. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't think it would be unreasonable to think there might be some hard feelings from him there. I think he's absolutely capable enough to come in and fill in at punter uh for a week, but here's the question is, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe just go for on every fourth down and and then you're not risking putting your punt team out there on the field to possibly give up a touchdown. So uh, I don't know. I, you, you want a punter. You I, want
0: I'm the punter. option. You may not want to punt a lot, but you want the option to punt. Uh, Mason Crosby did punt in the preseason, did he not? Or no? Or was it the yeah. other way around? Was it uh, J.K. Scott kicking? Which, yeah.
1: No, no. Yeah, Mason, Mason did one punt. One punt. I think it was a – it was a bad punt against Buffalo. Kinda, yeah, that that's right. And he he just came out afterwards and said, like, oh, I just really wanted to do it for fun. I've always wanted to do it. I had a good time. <laughs> and I think we all pretty much agreed, like, let's never have him do this again. Right, right. But, you know, when you literally don't have a guy in the building who can do it, maybe that's where you're at. So uh, real quick, going through the position groups here of the guys who were out on COVID, Shamar and Charles and Kevin King, both out.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you're. Neither guy is a starter, but that hurts your depth for sure. Uh Kingsley Kiki is out. I'm not really concerned about that because he has already missed so much time over the last couple months that I think TJ Slayton has has worked his way into that rotation t- to a healthy extent. I feel okay with it. You also have Dean Lowry, of course. So right. I think you can weather missing Kingsley Kiki. The linebacker room is a Ooh, little depleted. A little Warren Burks. Ty Summers, Chauncey Rivers all out, but I think Ty Summers was already on IR, was he not? No. So didn't they just move him from IR to... No. Okay. Well, then they didn't do that. <laughs> uh, at outside linebacker, I guess I guess Chauncey Rivers really is an outside linebacker, and then you also have uh, Teepic Leia is on the COVID list. Mm-hmm. Outside linebacker was already just a stupidly thin position. I mean, just yeah, and it just got you're you're, you're at the same same spot you're at with with Ben Braden going on here of like, look, Tpa shouldn't be a starter, but at this point he almost is. Right. So yeah. Well, he's in the rotation regularly at this point. He is. So yeah, I mean, it, it's uh it's and then you got your tight ends too. So Mercedes Lewis and Tyler Davis Yep. are both out. Um. Now, interestingly, did you know Mercedes Lewis is not tight end one in terms of snaps? He's actually his snap count has been going down and down and down every week. Uh, DeGuara has really taken over that tight end one role. Looking at snap counts, it's it's not even close at this point. Right.
0: And, and DeGuara gives you you know more of a receiving element than than Big Dog does. But to me. The big issue for the Packers is Big Dog helps Yash all the time as far as blocking is concerned, chipping edge rushers. Now, fortunately, the Vikings are not a team with an overwhelmingly great edge rusher because, you know, Danielle Hunter is out for the year. But, you know, it gets harder to help. You may have to use A.J. Dillon and or Aaron Jones to help chip or or maybe Dominique Daphne, but none of those guys block as well as Big Dog.
1: I don't think Daniil Hunter is out for the year. I think you're thinking of somebody else. Daniil Hunter was just activated off the COVID list a week ago. So I'm not sure who you're thinking of, but he is still healthy. Okay. Um, I We got to talk about something with this game. And I kind of hinted at it to you right before we started recording. Um... I am a little bit concerned about an aspect of this game, and I want to kind of talk through this with you. Pros and cons. So Adam Thielen is not playing. And I think that's I think that there's some good news in that, but also a lot of bad news in that for the Packers, because they're they're about to head into the playoffs. And I think I think the Lions are going to put up a really good challenge because they are the Lions and they always do. But I don't think that they are a good test for your team as, as you're heading into the playoffs. Right. The Vikings, I think, and, and we saw this the last time they played, the Vikings have enough that they really can throw at you to give your defense a stout test. I think you got you combine a very good running game with an excellent receiving game. I mean, the Vikings offense really puts up points. Well, Mm -hmm. they're really tough to defend both in the passing game and the run game. And I look at uh, two things here with this. Number one is I really wanted to give the Packers defense a really uh, just strong punch to the face from this Vikings offense. Make them work hard to shut them down. Right. Because you're going to face better offenses than that in the playoffs. If you go up against the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, uh, if the Eagles or the Saints manage to squeak in, or heck, you know, the Vikings still, I think, could could get in as, as a wild card as well. Yes. Uh, I There's a part of me that would rather take a loss right now at the end of the season, mm-hmm. as opposed to going into the playoffs, maybe thinking that you're better than you are. Whereas if you do lose to the Vikings again here, uh, or at least just really struggle against them, you've got some stuff that you can go back and look at the tape after the game and say, here's how we're going to be exploited. Here's what we need to improve. Now, the counter argument to all that is if you win this game, the one seed is I think it's guaranteed to be ours. Well, no, Um, uh,
0: Arizona has to beat Dallas to clinch that one seed this week. Uh, then if, if Dallas wins, the Packers still need either to beat Detroit or another Dallas, a Dallas loss in the season finale to wrap up either or not both.
1: Yeah, that that's correct. Okay. So looking at, uh, what happens if the Packers win this game, if the Packers Oh, I got the wrong parameter set here. Hang on. I had set to make the playoffs. I'm looking for get a one seed. There it is. All right. As it stands right now, Packers have a 76% chance of getting the one seed. If they beat the Vikings, that goes to 92% chance. Um, and you need the Cowboys to lose either this week or next week, or you need to beat the Vikings and the Lions. But the point is, Winning this game makes it really, really likely that you get the one seed. And that is a playoff win in itself. That's a game you don't have to play. Correct. So, you know, that that's the other side of the coin is you're you are removing another chance for somebody else to knock you out of the playoffs, removing another chance for somebody to um, uh, somebody on your roster to get hurt and not be available for the rest of the playoffs. You got an extra week to rest and get more healed. I don't know. It's a, it's a toss up both ways. I, I, to me, the best case scenario is you play against the Vikings at full strength with Thielen out there and win the game anyways, so that, so you don't have a loss there, but, but I, I just would have really liked to see our defense face that really lethal passing attack and the run game Um, you know, not to demean KJ Osborne, but he's not Adam Thielen.
0: Well, no, he's not, uh, not yet for sure, but I'll tell you, it is at this point with COVID ravaging the roster and all the other things that are affecting everything that's happening to me. You win the damn game. You just take care of that and worry about the other stuff, uh, you know, when when the time comes. But get that by, wrap up that first seed. Like you said, that's one free playoff game. And it means Tampa Bay has to come to Lambeau. It means LA has to come to Lambeau. Uh, All these warm weather teams, Dallas is even, you know, more or less a warm weather team. They play indoors they'd have to come to Lambo. So uh you know that that to me is first yes in an ideal world you want to face a good offense with with top receivers and shut them down. But look, unlikely Jair Alexander is playing this week. Uh so you're not even going to have your full you know lineup available regardless. To me right now just win the game and then worry about the details when the time comes.
1: So have you thought to yourself at any point this year, you know, Gil, I really wonder, um, are the Vikings playing about the same amount of 11 personnel this year as they have in past years? Is that something you've you've asked yourself?
0: It is something I've
1: wondered. Yeah. I was asking myself that earlier today. Only I didn't say Gil. I said JJ. Well, I hope and (laughs) I went and looked up, the the answer, and it's it's kind of surprising. So the, the Vikings for several years now have been the lowest team in the league in terms of their percentage of 11 personnel. They never run three wide receiver sets. And I was this time when I looked up the stats, I thought it was the same because last year they ran 11 personnel, 29 percent of the time. League average is actually over 50%. Right. And and so I thought it was the same thing. And then I realized I was one off. It was actually Miami, who's right next to them alphabetically, who had 29%. And the Vikings are at 40 or, yeah, 45%. Okay. Which is a drastic difference from how their offense has run over the last couple of years. And I, so I was kind of curious to see where were those uh, extra snaps going, um, or coming from, I should say that we're now in 11 personnel. Right. So in the last year, uh, they were in 12 personnel, uh, 22% of the time they were in 21 personnel, 26% of the time. And this year, 14% of the time, are they in 12 personnel? 19% of the time, are they in 21 personnel? So the the bigger drop-off there is in um uh 12 personnel. And I think a big part of that is they, you know, their their tight ends are just not the same as they have been in the last couple of years. Uh lost a couple of guys, the tight end production they have this year is is pretty terrible. And you had the emergence of KJ Osborne out there. So right. you've had three guys, and so now I'm really wondering. How that dynamic changes now this week with uh Osborne or with Thielen being gone because because Thielen did play uh last week, he had three receptions for 40 yards, uh, no touchdowns last week. Um, so he was out there 23 snaps, which is uh not quite 40% of the game. So they really haven't had any time to adjust to not having him. He's played, you know, basically the entire season. He missed week seven. Well, was week seven their bye week? It must have been. Yeah, because he yeah he played every other week. So it looks like he didn't miss any time. Um, So, you know, who who takes Thielen's role? Because I don't know if they have a third wide receiver you throw out there. And also the tight end situation is not the same. Locking down Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne. I think is a lot easier than locking down those two plus Thielen and not just because your uh number two guy is Osborne instead of Thielen, but there's just not a third guy out there that you really need to be concerned about
0: no there there really isn't a third guy out there uh it it it'd be look but this is something that Minnesota is gonna have to figure out for themselves as far as w- the way they wanna move and and set up their offense and I'll tell you this in the very cold weather that we're expecting I expect to see a lot more Dalvin Cook than three wide receiver sets.
1: Uh well, yeah, but Cook Cook is going to be out there. It probably will be a run heavy game. You're right. That's a good point. Uh I I wonder if you're going to see more 12 personnel this week uh mm-hmm. get Cook and um Madison out there, you know, that was a, that was a strategy that that the Browns were having some success with last week was those two running back sets, which is a little bit interesting. Um, looking at who the, let me switch this around. Uh, yeah, see, see, PFF has, hasn't even updated who um, is replacing Thielen. They still have uh, Thielen as wide receiver too. Curious, uh, Here's the roster. I'm curious who who else is actually playing well. Not that not that PFF is the be all and end all of what the the uh, Vikings are going to consider important. So KJ Osborne. Osborne. So they do have D.D. Westbrook, right? He's been rather bad this year. He's a good run blocker. He has <laughs> nine catches for the whole season, so that's
0: not gonna. Not... Uh, the
1: only other guy you got really. You got uh, Amir Smith Marset. Old BC Johnson hasn't played at all, so no. forget him. Uh Amir Smith Marset, that that's the guy right there. So if they're gonna if they're gonna run eleven, that's the guy who's out there or ah uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's Didi. Didi's played 168 snaps. Amir's played forty nine, so numbers would tell you it is Didi. Uh, he's just he's just a bad football player though. Well, at if, this point, yeah. I mean, I I I, I think you could uh, you could maybe play some pretty good man man uh, coverage and and double Jefferson, and if the Vikings want to throw to Didi, let them. Now, let them who do you Didi.
0: put on Jefferson? Now, this is something that I was wondering because do do you go with the speed but inexperience of Stokes? Because Stokes could stay with him but lose the ball in the air and give up that big play or do you go with rasul douglas who is savvier experienced but not as fast
1: uh it's a good question i mean i i think i think the answer is you put stokes and somebody else on him
0: and that someone is what adrian amos uh I mean, I, I'd,
1: I'd say both of our safeties have been really struggling as of late. I don't like it. Uh, Kevin King's unavailable. That is not Shannon Sullivan's strong suit. No. Nope. I mean, it's it's one of those two safeties for sure. It's Amos or so. I, it, I guess it, it can't be, be Henry Black. He's unavailable. Well, it, w- it shouldn't be Henry Black, anyways. Right. So I it, mean, it's got to be. It really has to be Amos. And Amos has been struggling recently, but not as bad as Savage. Savage has has been quite poor these last uh, few weeks. I think that you look at that Ravens game. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I really wish we did a, a post-game breakdown on No Huddle. That'd be a lot of fun. Like, you know, it's like the the other side of the coin from our our game preview where we go and talk about what went wrong. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Okay. But that, that Ravens game, you know, Mark Andrews was supposed to be being covered by Darnell all night.
0: And that was and a mismatch physically and size and, and uh, weight wise. That was a, that was a mismatch height and weight. Yeah,
1: yeah you're right. And he also didn't play well. That, that had his worst game of the well, year. I think. Uh, I can tell you in about two seconds, uh, Baltimore was his worst game of the year. His second worst game of the year was Cincinnati but he had a really good tackling grade in that game of 85.7. That's really good. So that kind of salvaged the um, grade. Yeah. The rest of it, his coverage grade is a 38 Uh, Baltimore. He had a better coverage grade, but his tackling was a 28, which is like, if it wasn't Savage, it was was just some guy off the street. I'd say cut him. (laughs) But Obviously we're not cutting Savage. We're going to let him have a bad game and bounce back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but they, so then the following week, though, uh, against Cleveland, he was better because it's hard to not be better after a performance like that, but still bad. His overall grade is 56. Uh, his run defense was really the culprit there. Um, he actually had identical 43.6 run defense grades back to back weeks against Baltimore and Cleveland. Nobody had a
0: good run defense grade against Cleveland. I mean, that was...
1: Oh gosh. I guess, I guess we do have to talk about the run defense. Um, Must we? Well, we're playing Dalvin fricking cook and yeah. we're playing some other good running backs in the playoffs. Uh, let me see. I'm curious about this NFL playoff picture. I'm just curious if the season ended today, you're
0: looking at, we would play the lowest remaining seed in the second round because
1: we would have the bye. So, so here's what I'm wondering. so, <clears throat> what would be the most favorable matchup the whole way through so you wouldn't play the cowboys cuz they're the 2 seed right like you you couldn't play them until the conference championship that's the earliest you could play them so after that you got the rams the rams as a running team don't scare me at all but they are the 3 seed so that would you're not going to play them necessarily either the division right. right you you wouldn't play them until at least uh, yeah, the the championship game. That, that's what it would be. Correct. Um, you're gonna face okay, so either the four seed C- Buccaneers, Cardinals. Yeah, Buccaneers, Cardinals, Niners, and Eagles. Right. Or
0: the Vikings or uh, the Washington football team or whoever else wins those last wild card spots.
1: At this point, I kind of think the Niners are in. No, I guess it's still it's, it's still near. Um, five teams have clinched a playoff spot. Cardinals, I even though we beat them, I think it was a long enough ago that you you certainly can't just say oh they're the same team they were. I think that they are playing worse football right now. Mm-hmm. They're slumping. Uh, yeah. So I I, I guess I I would take a Cardinals matchup over say the Cowboys. You know most of the uh, most of the teams that are going to win their own their own division. I think scare me a lot less than the wildcard teams. The, the potential wild card teams freak me out. You got the Niners who are, they're just like the Niners and Eagles, I think are really similar in that it is really unpredictable when they're going to show up and just blow you out of the water or whether they're just going to die in the first quarter. But there's no in between. They're either no, really good or really bad. I think between the two of those, I I think that I feel like we could take either one. I think the Eagles passing attack is pretty lethal. And I think the, the Niners, uh, Debo and Kittle are both just crazy good. And we had Jair when we played the Niners last time. Not saying we couldn't do it without him, but I would feel better if we had him and Rasul and Stokes out there. Vikings, obviously a scary team. They're one of only three teams this year that were able to beat us. Um, Obviously, they're a team that you are concerned about. Falcons scare me, basically not at all. But then you got the Saints, and I don't want to play the Saints even a tiny bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Don't want to do deja vu all over again from week one.
1: And that's the thing. Like, so 2020, you played the Buccaneers in the regular season, got blown out by him. And he spent kind of the rest of the year going, I don't know how good the Buccaneers are. Was that kind of a fluke? Maybe meet him in the playoffs and they murdered us. Wasn't a fluke. 2019. You played the 49ers in the regular season. It was one of the only teams of the year to really blow you out. And then you meet him in the playoffs. And it's the same thing. I just, you know, fool me twice. Shame on you. Fool me a third time. Uh, I'm I'm gonna not watch us play the Saints. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's enough playoff talk. Um,
0: we got to worry about Sunday's game first.
1: Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, so Savage, I, th- I think I don't want to talk about Savage anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I was trying to make a point to you before we started recording about the offensive line that I think is really interesting. Um, if you look at the offensive lines, uh, overall grades on PFF, mm-hmm. it, it's a really paltry group. If you only look at their pass blocking grades, it's a pretty good offensive line, right? So I'm going to go left to right, starting with Yash Nyman pass blocking grades only 66.2 John Runyon, 68.3. Dennis Kelly I accidentally opened the wrong thing for him. How do I get back to just the regular? I don't want this view. <laughs> it's stuck on the uh this is great podcasting. <laughs> Here we go. Offense Kelly. All right. Uh Dennis Kelly pass blocking great. 70.3 I don't even know why he came up next anyway. It's supposed to be Lucas Patrick. That's that's how I screwed it all up. Lucas Patrick, 64.7. So far, everybody's uh above average. Then you get to Royce Newman, who is a 59.7. But he's coming on, the on as season. of
0: late. Coming on as of late.
1: Yeah, you're you're you you saw where I was going with that. Royce Newman, uh week. Week seven was the last week of the year where he was just like a mediocre player. Now, since week seven, he has had two horrific games, one against Kansas City, where he's playing against Chris Jones, and one against uh, L.A., where he's playing against Aaron Donald. Outside of those two games, since week seven, so this is uh, week eight and beyond, and since it's a seven or 18 game game, 18-week season now. Week 8 is not the middle of the year. Right. 82.1, 77.6, 81.2, 82.6, 83.2. Then you get Cleveland last week, which is the first game since week 7 where he had a mediocre grade. He's had these uh, really good grades and really bad grades. And and it's kind of nothing in between until Cleveland 56.4, which is kind of interesting. It's actually very interesting. And then, bizarrely, his run blocking grade went through the roof all the way up. It was the best run blocking game of the year for him. uh, The week that his his pass blocking just went into the toilet. (laughs) Just kind of strange all around.
0: Yeah, well, Um, it's a rookie. These are growing pains.
1: You mean to tell me rookies are not smooth and rounded and (laughs) fully developed? Nope. Pain points. Uh, uh, what's the fear factors matchups to be concerned about? Who do you think this time around, other than Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, do you, <laughs> should we be on the lookout for? And, and, and I, think, uh, I think for the most part, this is going to have to focus kind of on defense, I would think.
0: You would probably be thinking correctly uh, about that. And I mean, other than Kirk Cousins, but, uh,
1: you know, Michael Pierce has been playing a lot better football since the last time we met, mm -hmm. he is now the ninth highest graded, uh, interior defender. He's got an 81.4.
0: You you know where I'm going to me? It's, it's three different pass rushers who I'm concerned about. Okay. DJ Wanham, yeah, Eric Kendricks, Everson Griffin, who always seems to play
1: well against the Packers. Wow, I, I was not expecting uh, any of those names, actually. Okay. Okay, DJ him. So he, as a pass rusher, his best game of the year was week five against Detroit. His second best game of the year was week 15 against Chicago. So I guess it does say something that those are both uh, division games against Green Bay. Green Bay was his second worst grade of the year in Week 11, uh, 48.9. The one thing he does really well, he's a great tackler. Mm-hmm. I uh, that's something to be concerned about. Okay, so you DJ Kendrick or or DJ Oneham. You had Eric Kendricks. Let's see how he's been doing recently. Eric Kendricks. So in the last few weeks, he has just collapsed in on himself like a dying star. <laughs> this looks terrible. He had a really good start to the season, he minus did. a weird week against Cleveland when no no Vikings played well. Uh, from week nine on, he's had one average game, and the rest have all been way below average. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going to say I'm a little more concerned about Wonham than Kendricks. Okay. But, you know, the one thing with with Kendricks is that um, he's playing opposite Bar, and Barr has been playing some some pretty decent football this year. It's it's a little weird because over the last few years, it's kind of been the opposite where Barr has been uh, very average, and Kendricks was, like, the very best linebacker in the league. Right. This year, they kind of uh, reversed that to an extent. Um, over the last few games bar has been uh decent week, 14 against Pittsburgh. He was quite good. He had an 82 pass rushing grade. Uh, don't like to see that okay. very good tackler. Uh, I mean, he was, he was good at everything that week. Uh, he had one off week against Chicago and then bounced right back against the Rams. Right. You know, maybe something you could say about Kendricks is that he's freeing up Bar to go be a little, a little bit more of a playmaker this year than than in recent years. Well, Kendricks
0: also leads the team with 134 tackles this year. He's got two interceptions, five sacks.
1: So you know who that sounds like? That sounds like uh, late stage, at least in Green Bay, Blake Martinez. Yeah,
0: it kind of does.
1: Uh, who was the third guy you mentioned? Everson Griffin. Richardson? Oh, Everson Griffin. Okay. All right. Now that is interesting to talk about. Cause he is a guy who I think we all kind of wrote off at the beginning of the year. Like yep. he's done because he flamed out in Detroit and Dallas. Pull this up here. Griffin. Uh, has not played since week 11 against Green Bay. Is he done for the year or is he back?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I just know he can be a thorn in our side.
1: Well, and he was playing really good up until that Green Bay He's game. He's not so... on the injured
0: reserve, I can tell you that. Hunter is on the injured reserve. He's done for the year.
1: Yeah. All right. Hunter is out the rest of the year with a pec injury. All right. Forget him. Forget him. Uh, Everson Griffin, though mystery there um okay oh oh no 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 remember he had all the he had that mental breakdown oh yes that's right that's yeah right that was sad i i uh, i feel
0: for him and i wish him all the best
1: for sure i i will say you know i i don't Care for Vikings fans. I don't like the team very much, but I really respect the way that that organization takes care of their players.
0: They handled the the organization handled that situation very, very classily. Classily, is that yeah. a word?
1: With class. Classed. Uh Dalvin Tomlinson has been playing really good football, mm. and he's working really well with Michael Pierce. And this is the thing, Michael Pierce. Uh, has me concerned because his success has all come really recently right so he didn't play from week five through week 12 he was out and since getting back in week 13 70 89.6 74 82.1 he's playing really well his pass rush is a massive part of that he's getting a lot of pressures in those four, he's only been back for four games. In those four games, he's averaging three pressures per game. Mm-hmm. It's not too bad. He only has one sec, but he's uh, sack, but he's got uh really darn close to three hurries a game. Uh, pretty good tackler. His uh run defense is just solid. Uh, Michael Pierce, he's six foot. 340 pounds, not the biggest guy in the world. This is maybe something where AJ Dillon is going to find a lot of success running into him, but it is worth noting. Michael Pierce did not play in week 11 against the Packers. So this would be Dylan's first time playing against him this year. Dalvin Tomlinson did play in week 11. Similarly, he, now he has kind of come to life at a pretty much coinciding with michael pierce's return Mm -hmm. um now in week 11 which was one week before pierce got back he that that was actually technically his first good game uh but since then he's he's been pretty rock solid and it's pretty much all as a run defender very good tackler he's got a lot of tackles tackles well the interior of this defensive line is maybe not something you want to test um, which is why it's kind of nice that they don't have Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter available because then you're relying on DJ Wilhem and Sheldon Richardson to lock up the edges, and that is a match matchup that I do feel com- comfortable running AJ Dylan into. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe Dylan and Jones are both working the outside. The one thing you got to be concerned about. Uh, maybe you use Devante to really distract Cam Dansler, though because Cam Dansler is the best run defending cornerback in the NFL. 91.1 run defense grade. That ranks number 1 out of 105 cornerbacks. Uh get DeVonte to soak up all of Dansler's attention on those running plays. Have Devontae go out and run around anyways. Just get Dansler away from the line of scrimmage. Right. Uh or you know what? Just bowl over him with AJ Dillon. I, I He's a small guy. He can probably take Aaron Jones. I don't think he can take A.J. Dillon.
0: Well, he's got to catch him first. (laughs) As far (laughs) as Jones goes.
1: That's true. Dylan, I wonder wonder who runs faster. A.J. Dillon or... I'm looking it up, so you tell me your prediction. A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones, who runs faster? In the 40? Yeah, 40 time.
0: Uh, I'd go with
1: Jones. All right. It is... Oh, by a fingernail. Hmm. Aaron Jones is 450. Oh, AJ Dillon, 4'53. Wow. So now Cam Dansler might blow them both out of the water. Let's see. Cam Dansler runs a 438. That is blazing fast. Yep. That's uh that's almost Eric Stokes fast. It's,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's within the ballpark.
1: Isn't Stokes 433?
0: I thought it was like four two five or something like that. It's
1: four, two, two, eight. five. Four two five. Yeah, that was his combine time. He has an unofficial four two four though. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, I, I, I think you have to, you have to establish the run. I, I don't. I'm not going to say that necessarily means you have to commit to the run, but you have to establish it. If the run game isn't working, I think you I think you can't be too upset at seeing the Packers throw out more because this is a good run defense.
0: It's a shaky defense all the way around, uh, statistically, at least um they they aren't ranked that much better against the run than they are against the pass right now by strictly by yards per game, Minnesota's defense is ranked twenty eighth against the run and twenty seventh against the pass. They allow a hundred and thirty and a half yards per game on the ground and two hundred forty eight and a half yards per game through the air but not ranked high in either category.
1: Rushing first downs. The Vikings rank quite poorly. Uh, 115. I'm not sure. That is, that is fifth worst in the NFL. Um, where's their receiving? Passing. I'm curious about passing first downs. There we go. Passing first downs. Uh, they're a little better. It's about. So they were fifth worst in rushing first downs. They're about 10th worst in passing first downs. Um, I remember seeing some stats a couple weeks ago about. You're going to need to get your get your uh, stops on first uh early downs if you're the Vikings mhm their their third down defense has been somewhat lacking this year and I, and I would I would guess that uh losing Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter is the main culprit of that doesn't help no question about that overall what's your what's your fear factor about this game do you think that do you think that uh, there's a high likelihood that you see a similar situation to the last time we played the the Vikings in which, you know, the the big issue there? There were two big issues. First of all, we could not stop the pass to save our lives right. all day long. They were able to do whatever they wanted, and they were getting the big plays through the air. That was a massive problem. Now they're missing Adam Thielen. And
0: Secondly, it's going to be
1: very cold. Secondly, the Vikings got off to a hot start and the Packers did not. With it being this cold and the Vikings being a dome team. Um, you have to imagine that the Vikings are going to give out a lot earlier in the game than the Packers are. If they if the Vikings do get off that hot start and the Packers struggle, and we know that the Packers absolutely just stink in the first quarter It's horrific.
0: <laughs> on, on both sides of the ball. Unfortunately,
1: something like uh, what was, I think I think we read off the stat last week by courtesy of Dara. I think I think he said in the last like 17. No, in the last 11 first quarters, the Packers had put up 17 total points. So first quarters in the last 11 games, 17 points total which yeah. means most of those years you're, you're you put up zero after one. Uh, so that's probably going to happen again this week, uh, happening again last week against the Browns, just like we said. But if the Vikings are ready to go home at halftime. Uh, advantage Packers here and you can you can pile up some points in the second half. Do you think there is a high degree of likelihood that we'll see the same game this time that we did last time against the Vikings.
0: I don't think the Vikings will be as equipped to pull that off, uh, without feeling. And in this cold weather, I think they will have a much bigger problem, uh, putting together that kind of deep offensive passing game. Cook always scares me. And the way the Packers run defense played last week, especially, Dalvin Cook scares me a lot. So I I think that's my biggest concern coming into this game is because unlike the Browns, the Vikings have balance on offense. They can pass the ball as well as run the ball. And if Dalvin Cook is gashing us for six, seven, eight yards per run, that will set up play action passes for them. May not be able to go long in the cold weather as much as they did. But they're going to try it. They're going to go for it.
1: Wind, I would think, shouldn't be a big factor in this game. Uh, Earlier in the day, it'll be relatively windy-ish. You got 15-mile-an-hour winds. At kickoff, you got 7-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, I just bring that up because the last time the Packers played the Vikings at Lambeau, the Packers passing game couldn't do jack. Nothing. That was a very windy game. And the Vikings recognized that the wind was an issue. And so they just didn't throw the ball and they ran Dalvin cook for 400 yards. <laughs> That's what concerned. And he had four touchdowns in that game, three rushing and one uh, receiving.
0: That's what scares me more about this Sunday night's game.
1: You just think in that cold, you have to expect that the Vikings are going to try and run the ball a lot harder. Um, it it only makes sense. And please,
0: someone, somewhere, I, I love Rashawn Gary. I love Preston Smith, but these guys do not contain the edge well on wide runs.
1: Yeah, yeah that that one really long uh, Nick Chubb run last week where there were like four or five missed tackles. It kind of felt like the Al, the Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Uh, week three, 2020 run, or Raheem on Mostert one, from the NFC Championship game the year before. Well, I'm I'm just talking about that one play though, right? Al- Alvin Kamara had one really long run with a, a million missed tackle, missed tackles last year. Yep. Nick Chubb had a similar one this past week, and on that, on the replay of that, uh, Rashawn Gary had a chance to make the tackle. Uh, I think it was even going to be a tackle for a loss, like yeah. three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and there was just a really blatant holding penalty that got missed. I mean, he was the uh, the lineman was all over him, he had his arms all around him, and it was just like grabbing on, just holding his bicep and just holding him away from Chubb. I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't need to defend Gary for one play. The rest of the game was pretty bad and they, and they do need to get better at that. I'm getting a little bit tired of over the last few weeks. We played a couple of those mobile quarterbacks and you see uh, Gary getting outrun. Mm-hmm. Cousins he is not going to do, gonna outrun him. That's absolutely correct. So it's not really important for this game, but, but Gary does need to do a better job at maintaining contain on the outside. Because he keeps getting inside the quarterback. Yep. When the quarterback takes off and he can't catch up. He's too slow, which is fine, but just don't let that happen in the first place. Stay on the outside. Right. K- stay in your lane. Uh, I got to close this tab because it's Dalvin Cook's stats from the game last year with the four <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. It's Put not me nice. in a bad mood. Not nice to look at. We got to wrap this up, Gil. Give we me do. your score prediction.
0: My score prediction. <sighs> For this game, the Green Bay Packers will defeat the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 34-27. to 27.
1: Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Over the last six games, uh, second highest score the Vikings had was 34 points. That was against the Packers. Highest score was 36 points. Now that was against the Steelers and the Steelers have really been struggling in their run defense of late. Uh, so I have some concerns about if the Packers can't stop the run, this could kind of get out of hand score wise. I think the Packers are certainly going to have to put up 30 points in order to win it. Uh, the other scores the Vikings have had over their recent games, uh, 26 against the Niners, 27 against the Lions. Oh, love that game.
0: 17 <laughs> against
1: the Bears and 23 against the Rams. So they put up. I'm going 27 points for the Vikings. Did you say 27 for the Vikings? as well? I did. I did. And you said 34 for the Packers. Yes. I'm going to take a clean 30, 30 to 27. OK. And I think the Packers are gonna make me glad that I drove all the way to Green Bay. I think uh they're gonna show up and and perform and and tuck that uh first round by just far enough out of reach of Dallas that I, I think it's I think I think if you're Dallas after this week, you're gonna lose hope. I, I wanna
0: I would love to see Dallas lose to Arizona. I'd love to see what Jordan Love could do against Detroit.
1: Wouldn't that be nice if we could rest our starters next week? Even for quarter the the game,
0: even for half, let's say.
1: Play Aaron Rodgers the first two quarters, right? Put Jordan Love out there. You know, if you've already got the one seed locked up, the other benefit, if you give a a win to the Lions, you know, number one, it's not like the Lions can really brag because you put all your backups out there. Number two, though make their draft draft position a little bit worse you know maybe you're not facing like Aiden Hutchinson or or uh, Kayvon Thibodeau or George Karloftis for the next 10 years yeah just saying
0: you you know what I'm gonna say though I'm gonna say two words two words that you may remember that I associate with season finales and the Detroit Lions Matt
1: Flynn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you think Jordan love is going to come out and smoke him? No, but I would love to see it happen. I think he could. I, I, I don't think, uh, <clears throat> I think if it was the plan all week that, listen, Jordan, I, we need you to be preparing because you're going to play a second half against the lions
0: or three quarters, like, even whatever no it matter is. What. Yeah. You're playing, you're, you're seeing the field for at least half the game, maybe more against Detroit.
1: My bigger concern in that situation would be if we are resting a bunch of other guys like Devonte. I, I think maybe there's uh, it's a little bit harder for him to win because, you know, Matt Flynn was, was playing with some good players. He was, um, you know, and, and here's, here's the thing. So in that Kansas city game, the offensive line just, just absolutely fell on their freaking faces. Mm-hmm. I think if Aaron Rodgers is at the stadium and he sees his offensive line doing that, He's going to go over and have a talk with them and say, pick yourselves up, get off the freaking floor. And and I don't know, they they didn't. We don't need to rehash Kansas City again, but um, I, I'm just saying, I think if Rogers is in the building, I, I don't think that. Uh... And by the way, I'm contemplating going to that game. I'd be going to two games in a row, Ooh. but, you know, it's at Detroit. Ah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely tempted to do it. Okay. Be fun. Be fun. Right? Cause I haven't been to, to Ford field in a couple of years because of COVID. Right. Right. All right. So we have our score predictions. 34, 27 Gil, 30, 27 JJ. And I forgot to mention at the top of the show, uh, which of our listeners won last week. And that would actually be Goose. Goose came in uh, 28-24. That was the closest score prediction. The final score in real life was 24-22. Congratulations, Goose. Way to go, Goose. Um, Gotta love love us some Goose. And uh, (laughs) that does it for us today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gilpackers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Try the text at 231-714-4195. Send in your score prediction for Packers versus Vikings. Any of those locations, we will read your name on the show if you get it right. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go!
0: You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com